We serve as representatives of our race in a way that white people can never, ever, ever know. Welcome to Black And, a candid conversation about racism, white people, and ways to move forward. I'm April. And I'm Jonathan. We're brother and sister, looking to discuss how race informs important issues, current events, and what white people looking to make a difference can do. This week we have a really special guest with us here to discuss the trial of our generation, probably, in the Derek Chauvin murder trial for um killing george floyd over the summer back uh last last memorial day in 2020 we have our sister jubilee here hi everyone hey girl hi and as promised she is going to be here with us today and we thought we would just sort of go through our feelings and our thoughts over you know the what we've watched so far in this trial of the officer that 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 killed George Floyd and our sort of, you know, reactions to it and what we think it means in the sort of larger context of anti-racism work that white people should be doing. But before we get into that, Juba, what's on your mind? Well, you know, this week is the Derek Chauvin trial and me and John have been talking about it a lot lately. Um, every time there's a new witness or they say something, we always text each other and we're like, can you believe this guy or... All throughout the day. Yeah. And it's, I was, I posted about it on Facebook and I didn't really get a lot of feedback and the feedback I did get wasn't that great. Um, what kind of feedback were you asking for? Well, I, I said, what excuse were white people going to use to say they're not going to watch the Derek Chauvin trial. Oh, so you like, right. You posed it as like a, almost like an open-ended, like, what will your excuse be? Like, yeah, yeah. I didn't really expect anyone to respond. Sort of tongue in cheek. Yeah. yeah. But I've been talking to a lot of people and they're all basically saying oh, the white people, sorry. Yeah, let's talk about white people first. Let's yeah. talk about white people first and their sort of... So when I say people, I mean white <laughs> The whites. The whites. <laughs> um, they're all saying how, oh, it's just too much. Yeah. I can't even be in that emotional space right now. Mm-hmm. I have so much other stuff to do. I'm so... I can't even think about that right now because of my mind is focused on other things. Right. To me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That is so offensive yeah. for a white person to say, I want to be an advocate. I want to be an ally. But just right now, I can't do that. So what you're saying is you want to be an ally when it's okay for you. Comfortable. When it's, when yeah, it's convenient. convenient. When it's convenient for you. Or, or yeah, like it's not going to hurt you. Yeah. And that's what we're always saying on this podcast that like being an effective anti-racist, whatever, ally, whatever you want to call it, um, is you'll know you're effective when it feels if you're white when it feels like something is your life is changing and not for the mm-hmm. better necessarily the things that were insulating you are sort of getting torn down the the benefits you're getting from being white 
are being you're recognizing them and either refusing them or trying to help them you know redirect them to, to black or brown people that will feel like negative consequences so it shouldn't feel good at all to be a good ally. Yeah, it should so feel bad for white people. I've listened to this podcast, you know, a bunch. You're and a listener. I am. We often throw mom under the bus. Oh, because she's white. She's so fine. I'm gonna do that now. So we have a family chat, and in that, me and Jonathan were talking about how we don't think it's okay for white people to say, you know, they're not listening to the trial because of work, because they have too much, and... Um, my emotional health can't take it, My all the reasons, yeah. Yeah, Ooh. my mom didn't really say anything, and then I called her, and we spoke in length about it, and, of course, she felt guilty. Right. And she did not give excuses because she knew that they were going to be of why she wasn't watching it. yeah because yeah. she knew there were going to be excuses um but she then said well i'm going to watch it now i'm going to participate in the pain of the black experience because my black children right. have told me how they feel and i want to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. I want to do what I can to alleviate some pain or just be in that with them so they don't have to explain it to me so I know already how they feel. Um, and I thought that was really good. And our mom mm -hmm. is 68. Mm -hmm. She's about to turn yeah. 69. Tomorrow, holla! <laughs> <laughs> 68 going on 69. And she's still learning how to be um, a good ally to her children. And she has children. Also to her, her children, children and her husband's so, kids. <laughs> you shouldn't. I'm saying white people shouldn't. Actually, they should feel ashamed. <laughs> right. Well, right. They, they of should, racism. They should feel ashamed for not watching the trial and not being aware of this. But they should just get over that quickly and then watch it. Or when they get home from work, watch the highlights on YouTube. Or whatever, just so they can know what's going on. They can stay in a conversation about it. They can handle the black experience just for an it's, hour. Well, right. It's to me, it's like it's not anywhere close to what black people are experiencing. Obviously, because black people are seeing their brothers and sons and moms and daughters and all the witnesses in George Floyd in the video. Mm -hmm. They're clicking past the you know in this trial. They're going into the nitty gritty of like they're going they're going into the millisecond where. George Floyd, you know, where they say his life leaves his body and you can see it. And it's just, it's very graphic and it's very, for me, it's like white people need to, and I've been using this phrase a lot, bear witness yeah. to this. It's like y'all, not you, but white people did this. This is what white people did this and made the environment where someone like Derek Chauvin can be a police officer and where someone well we have a, an infrastructure in place where our police officers are presumed innocent and are presumed knowledgeable about when they need to kill someone and if they say that i needed to kill this big scary black man everyone says that's okay they always are found not guilty every once in a while they're found guilty but in this country for the most part it's not really illegal for a cop to kill a black person like they don't get found guilty for yeah. it. it's not illegal like and my well, she's an acquaintance. We were talking the other day 
And I, I was reminded that there are four white women on the, in the jury. That is no, that is not an accident. The, the defense knew that white women are the most sympathetic to white men. So, and the most afraid of black men. Yes. So of course, why wouldn't the defense try their best to get as many white women as possible? Oh, okay, don't get me started. I, yeah, y'all I, yeah. know, y'all so know Jubilee, my. So Jubilee has a a, a long standing sort of uh, internal and at oftentimes uh, <laughs> manifests it? manifests itself outwardly sort of conflict with white women, especially woke quote unquote woke white women who profess to be. Uh, uh, feminists and allies. And so you're right, Jubilee, these four women on the jury, I tweeted this the other day and got a bunch of backlash. I got, um, this was after I just got gotten out of Twitter jail for calling <laughs> the people who stormed the Capitol white terrorists. Mm, I literally got yeah. banned from Twitter for using the term white terrorists. Because, right, because it was uh, racist or, uh, you know, encouraging violence and harm. Yeah, so I, you know, I I said, if if Derek Chauvin is found not guilty, or if there is a hung jury, it will be because of one of those four white women. So a hung jury mm-hmm. only takes one person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you don't have to, to convince to me. So, uh, right, so, uh, so uh, I'm like, just looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, a hung, so just so people are clear, a hung jury is when a jury is deadlocked and can't come to a decision on something. And so they usually have to retry the case. Um, and it's often they don't retry the case because it takes a ton of time and money and energy to do that and they usually come to some other agreement a not guilty verdict would mean all of them had to agree unanimously that he's not guilty that's probably really unlikely um unless one juror i mean again i say that but it's like right they would have said that for rodney king too right like um from what we've seen but it's from what i'm hearing about the way things are being reported in the in the room and how the jurors are following along and taking notes and they seem to be really horrified by a lot of this stuff it just doesn't seem like all 12 of them would ever vote not guilty but here i here i say this and the next right. next podcast next we'll episode. be recording yeah. us asking the question of why he was found why he was acquitted um but yeah i mean jubilee we like go back and forth and it's like I, you know i tweeted that about white women and i also tweeted that same question about the white jurors and i also tweeted the same question that you tweeted or that you post on facebook about um what will your excuse what is your excuse white people to mm-hmm. actually address it specifically at white people and the, the the excuses that people people actually gave reasons yeah. and they didn't really get what i was driving at i think but they said st- generally like I don't have time or or the big one was I already know he's guilty why do I need to watch it's like you're totally missing the point if you just if you're watching the trial to decide whether Derek Chauvin is guilty that's not why you would watch this we all know he's guilty mm-hmm. the point is to like you said Jubilee live in that with black people and you're, you're not ever going to live in it with us because you can't know what that would feel like to see a 60 you know something year old witness who was watching this happen break black guy break down and cry on the stand because he felt helpless like he won't white people won't know what that will feel like to see that person that could be our uncle or dad or you know but try fucking try you know don't tell me that your mental health is too messed up that you can't do it it's like or yet that your kids are and i say that 
not because I don't take mental health seriously, but because think of all the black people that have all those same mental health issues, if not further exacerbated by racism. Right. Think of all the black people that have kids to take care of or not in the right headspace, or we have to take our kids to, to you know, teach them how to log into their Zoom class or whatever. Black people are all doing that too. So like, but this is our people and our life on trial. Right. So this conversation reminds me a lot about our episode um, on the miniseries When They See Us mm-hmm. by Ava DuVernay. We talked about the same sort of items of white people saying, and we talked about mom, I think, even, yeah. um, that they don't want to watch it. That it's too hard. It's too difficult. It's too, it's traumatic. It's... Remind people that this is the miniseries about the Central Park Five and the horrific trials and convictions and later exonerations of that group. The biggest difference though this time with the Derek Chauvin trial is it's real life. Granted, the miniseries When They See Us is about a real life experience. It's in real time. But this is it's not a dramatization like the 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 trial that's happening now. It's actual it's it's the real now experience for people, for black people and for George Floyd's family and Derek Chauvin's family. And it's just it, that to me, because we, we, we talked about the same thing in, in, in the previous episode, you know, white people, you need to see this stuff. You need to experience it as close as you can with black people. But with the Derek Chauvin trial, it's, it's even more so because your black coworkers and friends and family members and peers are the people in when they see us now like we we are the jury and the people in the crowd that you're watching on the news right now it's so close and we're all so connected that if you if you have any chance of being an anti-racist or an ally or whatever you want to call it you the time is now it's happening now you're in it there's nothing to wait for this is this is it this it you know, it's we look back on the civil rights movement. Okay, you know, we look back to other things uh, to reference what's happening now, but we're in it right mm-hmm. now. Right, and it it kills me that white people have a choice. Right, mm-hmm. right. they have a choice. Right, we're trying whether... to convince them to take the choice to watch the trial. Yeah, to make the choice to watch the trial, which isn't like. Okay, are you tired, Frankie? <laughs> like that was a well, yawn yeah. whine. Yeah, um, for me, it is white people when i'm talking to white folks about this trial and why are you why asking them if they're watching it if they're what do they think whether you know it's just another thing to them it's another thing in their day it's another uh like um scheduling issue it's another like thing that it's for us it's like that's my whole life revolves around that trial i would say i would go even further john and say it's it's another miniseries Right. It's another right. show about it's a serial killer. It's another logging in, like, It's right. another cool crime right. thriller trial, right. you know? Right. And we all watched it when it was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it is It is not to these people that I'm talking to, at least. I don't get the vibe that they're like, oh, I would really love to watch this, if for no other reason than to, like, honor George Floyd's seven-year-old daughter who doesn't have a dad now and, like, bear witness to that fact that, like, she's never, ever, ever going to be able to look away from this stuff. Ever. She doesn't know what's happening necessarily now. She's a second grader, so she has to know something. But 
she can never make the decision of, she also is in school just like your kids are. She also needs to log into Zoom just like your kids do. She also has to go to swim lessons just like your kids do. But her dad, but her just, dad just got lynched on national television. Yeah. You know, so like it is, uh, to me, it's like, how dare you give me any, how dare you fix your mouth to give me any reason other than. I don't feel like it. Other than, no, no, no. I'm saying, how do you. Any reason other than, like, I'm literally physically unable to watch because of some, like, medical issue that I have because I'm away at the North Pole somewhere. Like, but how dare you come up with some random, some, some reason that you would give me for the, for the same reason that you didn't go to the grocery store that day is because I couldn't be around that many people in masks. I couldn't be, my mental health is too, I'm an introvert and I just can't. It's like, there's not a time where you max out your anti-racism practice. There's not a time where you become the anti-racist. It's a practice. So white people, you guys can check in and out whenever you guys want to. So I feel like it's sort of your responsibility to dive in. Why wouldn't you? Because it's uncomfortable. If, exactly. If any any reason that you give is some some obstacle that makes it hard for you or inconvenient or uncomfortable for you to do it. That is not mm-hmm. a good reason. Anything that's about you. You're right. Exactly. That's right. a bad reason. That's a bad reason. Um, and so yeah. it is. And let I me, mean, there are obviously we're speaking in broad strokes here. If you are someone that has like PTSD because <laughs> you were attacked by police at one yeah. point as a white person and that police, that police officer was, uh, you know, acquitted and not found, you know, which of course I'll leave that alone. Um, but, <laughs> but you know, you might have a specific, fine. If you're going to have a nervous breakdown, literally, because you have to watch this, don't. But, like, if it's just a stressful day for you, you are you are not even in the same ballpark as the amount of stress that Black people have. Example, real-life example. So, my friend just had pretty major surgery. And she is at home right now recuperating. And we were talking about the Derek Chauvin trial and she wasn't watching um, just because she wants to focus on her physical health. And I was like, so you're at home doing nothing. Right. Recuperating. Fair. Recuperating your your physical health. You're recuperating your physical health on the couch. Right. In In front front of the the TV. TV. Exactly. And it's not turned to the Derek Chauvin trial. But you're an ally. It's almost meta, do you believe, when you talk about black people walking around with a pit in their stomach or walking around. When you think of these, listen to these medical professionals, they talk about how George Floyd had an enlarged heart. He had high blood pressure. He had all these other things that so many black people have around America. Our dad died at 44 of a sudden heart attack. High, High blood pressure, probably had an enlarged heart, had all sorts of heart disease. Because he's a black man living in America. He had health issues in terms of he didn't eat the best and he didn't get you know raised with that education because he's black living in mississippi uh in in america right i was gonna say like it's this is it's it's physical choices i'm saying but quote choices um and you know derek in the derek chauvin trial they keep saying how george floyd's heart was so big and how they list these other ailments that he has as sort of potential contributing factors or at least potential significant they they want to have the jury think it's a potential significant factor which is the standard that they have to use not knowing that all those factors that he has are also because of racism we talked with april we talked with nicole green from dr nicole green from uh 
UCLA about this. Walking around in stress raises your cortisol levels and that that makes your blood not be able to flow the way that it should. Look no further than go back, everyone go back and watch the beginning part of the video when they first pull George Floyd out of his own car. Look at his face. He knows, he knows, they have their guns in his face. He is so afraid. He's pleading with them to don't please if you, because every black person knows when the cops pull you out of your car, you that's get, it. Yeah. You're on the ground. You're on the ground. You're either on the hot car, your hood of your car, which has happened to many of my friends, or on the hot ass ground, which all these, and, and the concrete, which all these doctors have testified. These is why it's abrasions, on, uh, abrasions on his shoulder and his uh, you know face and all over his body because he's pushing against the concrete. So... He's terrified. He knows this is ball game for him. Like he knows they were, they had it out. And he's a big guy. Chauvin's a little guy. It's a whole thing. It's a whole power trip thing. When, you know, cut to nine minutes later when Chauvin's feet are literally, he's knelt down on him and his feet are literally off the ground because all of his weight is on George's neck. He knew it was coming. So that's what we have to walk around afraid with. Okay, let's do let's do palate cleanser. We'll take a break. When we come back, April has been conspicuously quiet during this. Uh-huh. And it's because she hasn't been watching the Chauvin trial. So frankly, there's not a lot of substance that you could be in terms of how you're feeling uh, from watching it that you're adding. But I want to hear, April, why you're not watching it and how we're squaring, like mandating white people to watch it, but saying... Please, black people, if you don't want to watch it, take care of yourself and and don't. So let's take a break, come back, talk about the reasons why maybe black people wouldn't want to watch it, and then get this party started. I was gonna say like go eat or something. Yeah. I'm trying to like I feel to weak turn now. Up. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back. April, what's on your mind? So, yeah, so as John, you mentioned, I haven't been watching the trial as much as you guys, and that's deliberate. I was thinking, like, knowing that we were going to have this conversation, I was thinking, like, what what do you say, like you asked, what do you say to a white person who feels some type of way about being told to do something that, well, why don't you also have that same responsibility? you hate being told what to do. And I hate being t- <laughs> no same oh my gosh i just got so mad i hate being told what to do it's, it's a problem Especially, i have to work on it yeah. well and i was gonna say like i for one like i speak so i can speak very harshly of people and sort of judge or poke fun at people who are just like well i just like can't like i i just can't you know like i just can't take it i can't it's too hard it's too yeah, much i can't you. i cannot and but like when i really think about it like why am i not watching this trial why am i not keeping up can't right i can't yeah it's not i tried i tried and i almost lost myself right immediately and you can feel that sort of happening i can feel it happening to you yep and so i so i can't yeah and it's like i i was sort of had that conversation in my head and i almost started chuckling because i'm saying the thing that i find so annoying i can't i can't can't. well that's it but april i need to be clear about this all the white people that we (laughs) talked to that said they can't it's not the same thing. You can. You just don't want to. April mm-hmm. actually can't. White people, you can. You just don't want to. You won't lose 
who you are as a person. You won't lose your well, your internal well-being as a human being in this society. You won't lose your humanity by watching this trial like a black person will. Yeah, so it's like black people already have to be two people. The type that we show mm -hmm. the world mm -hmm. and the type that we show ourselves in our home life. Um, for white people, you just have to be one. Yourself. Yourself. The default. Yeah. And what April, I think what you were saying was you already compartmentalize your life enough. You are already that person at work and you're already, you're already yourself at home. You cannot... You don't right. have any room right. in your body to be... To split off again. Right. To be a third self. To be a third you. Dealing with this. And... One who's lost it. Yeah. We've already... We're already dealing with it. We're already dealing with racism but, as a thing in the like, country. And like barely low key. Right. Like, <laughs> and especially recently with all that has happened. And so for April... To have to get up, walk her dog, Mackies. Mackies. Mackies! <laughs> get up. Sweet. Walk her dog, eat breakfast, go to work, come home, do it all over again without ever losing her shit. Being a black woman the whole time, right? Like all that yeah. that goes along with that. <laughs> without ever do losing her shit, she has to focus. I have to focus. Cortisol levels. Like literally, it's all the same stuff we're talking mm -hmm. about. Right. This is why we're stressed out. Mm -hmm. Right. Physically. Uh, black people's stress level is already higher than white people's because of this. Just existing. Yeah. Google, Google weathering, racial weathering. So when we say as black people that we can't, we literally cannot do it. It's not some yeah. cutesy like I just can't the same way I just couldn't with any of the things. Abra, how does it feel to be on the pod and have your two older siblings like chime in and tell you how you're feeling? I <laughs> now love it. I love being on here with you guys. But um, yeah, no, you, Juba, you, that captures it yeah. 100%. Um, and we've talked about that before. What it comes down to is this, this still being real life. And for me, that means... I can't, uh, of the things that I can't do in life, this is one of them. Right. The next trial of a police officer who, who lynches a black person on the street, maybe I'll be in a place in my life where right. I can watch right. that. Right. You maybe will. will have done a bunch of work on yourself. Right. You may I, I thought you were going to say done a whole bunch of drugs. So. Yeah, but also. That's what I, I did say. That. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I literally, so, I just said that. You know, it's not like, it's a very, it's a, it's a lived here and now yeah. thing, you yeah. know, yeah. depending on what you're going through in your life, you can or you can't as a black person. But it's also a reminder for white people, like, yes, that, that's the reality for black people, not being able to, to participate in something like this for, for whatever reason. The other reality is like, RIP DMX. I was, yo, like, I was just about to say. Because yes, we live with this added burden, uh, physical and mental burden that is racism. And some people have either the privilege and the support and the family structure or whatever to have help in those situations. And other people don't. DMX being the popular like 90s and early 2000s rapper who just recently died at 50. Because mm -hmm. um, 
he's a black man in America yeah. and he died so, at 50. You know, right. like, so he, you know, struggling, had ha, so, talks about and struggled with mental health and drug usage. And so he died of an overdose. Wait, so April. So, yeah. So, and I, I we mentioned DMX because it's such Oof. a casual, just, you know, RIP DMX, he died. He was such a great rapper. He, I loved some of his songs. Like, let's play DMX, you know, and let's uh, remember his life. But it's also like, it's just another example and a real life example of the direct effects of racism. Oh, for sure. And it's so easy to overlook. That's what kills me. It's so easy for white people and black people even uh, for us to forget that like, if racism didn't exist, he'd probably be alive. Oh, for sure. You know, so, it's so just the like, other day, that's so just so literally, wild. Literally when I heard that he died at 50, I'm like, so I, I just tweeted this out because I'm like, I, I can't, I can't just say RIP to him because it's not, yeah, so I said, DMX's story is unsurprisingly tragic. Despite his celebrity, his life serves a sad but accurate example of much of the Black experience in the U.S. DMX is a victim of the war on drugs, the ineptitude, indeed the neglect of Black mental health treatment. He is, uh, and right, I stole that word ineptitude from you, um, and of Black mental health, that you brought up that point, mm -hmm. Jubilee. Um, and he is probably schizophrenic, uh, was, and, bi and bipolar. He, he said that. They... I've now gone back and really like dug into his lyrics and he yeah. told us. Yeah. He have, told us. If you guys actually read his lyrics. Yeah. They're all about his struggles with life and about struggles with mental illness, his struggle with drugs. And it, they're all like direct. The, yeah. They just direct say it. He, they, they just, he just talks DMX's about it. his mentor, his, his best friend that he looked up to older guy at age 14, DMX is, when DMX was 14, his mentor slipped crack into a blunt that he gave him. He was giving him a blunt, A, mm -hmm. and slipped crack into a DMX, became addicted to drugs, to like crack cocaine at age 14. That yeah. doesn't happen without racism. That does mm -hmm. not happen without the war on drugs. That doesn't happen without the government introducing drugs into the cities to and making deals with Central American and... Uh, uh, countries and, and Latin American countries, Nicaragua. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking back to all yes. the cult. Like you, April, you're saying. I just want to keep bringing it back to that. April, you were saying it's you flip one day to, from trying to just get through the day where you know the Derek Chauvin trial is happening to this iconic rapper who could be your dad or your uncle. Who, who, who is, is, he is my dad? He is he literally truly, is truly for you of all people. And I'll say this. And I hope this isn't too personal. April was four years old when our dad died. He died when he was forty-four because yeah, so he, his heart like, exploded. Because I think that's the that's you know? the like the crux exactly. of what I sort of wanted to talk about today. That like we, it's just so right now. And right. if white people could understand that, like you are in it, like you're drowning. You are you are in it right now, and there are real life consequences. DMX is. One of them, George Floyd is one of them. This trial of Derek Chauvin is one of them and you're in it and that means your best friends are in it. Your black friends and your black family and as white people, when you can like sit with yourself and say, I'm really in the moment right now. You're really recognizing your space and your surroundings and your body and living in the moment. And when you do that, think about your black friends who are doing that mm -hmm. and what they're feeling. When I really sit 
right now in my life and and get in the moment it's almost too much mm-hmm. it's too much and i don't want to go there i don't want to be in the moment that's how you have a nervous breakdown i want Literally. yeah yeah i want to yeah. i want to do some edibles because mm-hmm. i don't want to be there that mm-hmm. moment is really really bad mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. really sad mm-hmm. and and traumatic and so white as white people try to try to just get a little grasp of that and then watch the trial right on my behalf right watch right. it so i don't have to right so i don't have to go there and you can sort of take my place for you know your next hour of your evening do you guys think white people listen to this and say okay i'm going to watch the trial some yes. do i've mm-hmm. i've i've uh even just on twitter before we recorded this i've four or five people have reached out, out to me separately being like thank you for the encouragement mm-hmm. i sh- now i'm watching it also I, our listeners are like they bomb and they don't and, i was going to say i was going to say the people who listen to this for sure. Yeah. If, are probably already watching it, I would say. And if y'all aren't, I hope you will now, right. obviously. Right. But so my thing is, one of the points I wanted to make it for folks that are listening, and I want you, April, keep, of course, talking about your experience, but you reminded me of when you said, you know, you just, so white people listening, go, you know, grasp, just try to take a little grasp of what, you know, you were just saying, and mm-hmm. then go watch the trial in your place, mm-hmm. right? So just to be clear to our, you know, Folks who are listening who consider themselves anti-racist, ally, all the things we always talk about. If you haven't checked in on your black friends who are close to you, who you are in a position to check in on um, during this trial, you've already failed them in a way. Um, And so now it's about fixing that. Um, And it might be to the point where you might should not say anything until this trial is over now. Um... Because where the fuck were you for the first two weeks when your friends were watching it if you haven't checked in on them? Or maybe it's, you know your friends better than we do, reach out to them now and say, you gotta do better. Tell them, profess to them that you need to do better to watch out for them in this time. Because like the theme of this episode is it's happening now. It's happening right now. Racism is the ocean that we are drowning in and white people have boats. I just watched Antebellum, the movie. Just side note, wow. listeners, sorry. Tangent real quick. I just watched, have you seen that on no. on Hulu? No. It's it's Janelle Monae. Um, enough said. And it's it's takes place in the current time and it also takes place in like slave time. I won't say too much without giving away, but it's really good. But it reminds me of now because it's like, It that it the that it's a dramatization. It's not like no people aren't living on slave plantations like that. No, they're just signing bills in front of them, right? Like that now, but we so could be. We're so close to that, and like and like black people can and, sense it and you like can feel it. Right, but also, there are like, like, there are right. There's there not, not a big plantation right, out right. in Alabama right now the, where thousands the slave, of slaves. The slave are. trade is not the main industry of the United States. Like right, 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 yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And it's just it, it, it's just yes, not so yes, uh, yes, explicit. Right. Yeah, but but it it could be totally. And we not only do black people in 2021 f- feel so close to that past, we also feel it coming in our future right. if and, things don't change. And white people want that we can feel that they want the people who are signing the laws 37 states in in georgia <laughs> in front of the picture of the slave plantation they want say explain what that is explain what you just said oh well, people don't know what that means what, well yeah. the fucking governor of georgia 
what Brian Kemp. Brian Kemp when he was signing the the voter restrictive one of these big voter, were, yeah. yeah Georgia was one of the first states to do one of these like oh. harsh harsh Jim Crow era yeah so when he was signing that into law he was in a room behind closed doors at midnight at midnight with a bunch of other white men signing this bill in front of this picture painting this painting of a slave plantation yeah. in Georgia. So it's like it's this beautiful historic painting of this Georgia scene, right? Yeah, and it's like so black people aren't out of their minds or crazy when we say we are afraid to go back to that because the governor of Georgia wants to. It's all And he's the governor. It's all of a piece, right? I keep going back to the same example of the slave that comes in after he being mm-hmm. beaten all day. Mm-hmm. That plantation housed about a thousand, that plantation in that painting housed about a thousand slaves. I looked it up. Um, who knows how many how yeah, many slaves died and, there? And it's all the same. It's all that. That was a few generations ago. It is, you. the way you got here was saying white people, you made the general statement of saying white people still want those things yeah. to come. And so when, so again, white people generally might get, uh, uh, or an individual white person might get offended when they hear that, but it's like, but can you understand when 37 states are doing it, w- that we can just say white people are doing it and want that and it can be a thing that makes sense? It's not a, and I'm and, and I'm not saying this to, to, uh, to try to protect white people's feelings. I'm trying to say this as we are, we're, we, uh, choose our words so deliberately on this podcast based on our experience in the things we're saying being responded to by white people losing their shit because they take when we say white people doing this do this they take it as I and only I a white do this <laughs> Be- because white people think of themselves as individuals yeah, they don't think of themselves wild. as a collective so they think of it as you attacking them individually and so that's the only reason i call this out because it's going to upset white people but you should know that the reason it's upsetting you if it upsets you when you hear us talk about white people generally it's because you're feeling attacked as an individual where black people don't have we don't have the 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 privilege. Uh, the privilege of, of the, the, honor. Option, the option of being thought of as an individual right. black people get blamed when one black person does something, all black people get blamed. When one Muslim person does something, all Muslim people get blamed. When Donald Trump says the Kung flu is killing everyone, there's a spike in anti all of Asia because people are stupid and don't know where China is or what Chinese people look like. Crimes against them. So it is not a... Yeah. It is... We, we, we serve as representatives of our race in a way that white people can never, ever, ever know. And so that's why we can say white people this, white people that, white people that. If that doesn't apply to you, then shut the hell up and know that we're smart enough to know who it does apply to. In all of this we're talking about, the global uprising that happened after George Floyd was lynched on national TV over and over again, showing us the way that everyone took to the streets in Georgia after... 2018 when the governorship was stolen literally from Stacey Abrams because that same Brian Kemp who was signing uh, the restrictive voter law in front of the painting with the plantation was also running the election as Secretary of State against oh, Stacey Abrams. You can Abrams. basically just say so, he cheated. Right. So no. So I'm just telling people that so they know <laughs> I'm not just bullshitting and I'm saying cheating. He literally is the referee in the game against Stacey Abrams. Mm-hmm. All we're doing in all of this work 
is just trying to be brought up to par with the rights and privileges that are enjoyed by people who aren't black. There are various gradients of those rights that come and go based on who you are. They're all that there's this notion of different minorities being treated different ways, but there's only one minority in this country who was owned at that plantation where the painting, you know, of the painting that Brian Kemp is signing a restrictive voter law in front of, and that's black people. And it's not a coincidence that our hearts are exploding when we're 50 years old or 44 or being killed by police um, at disproportionate rates than any other race it's not coincidence that we are the race that were once enslaved and it's only one race who that bill is aimed at exactly correct they're like you can't vote on sundays black people go to vote to the polls like or can't like that stuff that's they know that that is yeah yeah it's it's not it's 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 not not, it's not hidden when when the when the architect of the 1994 uh crime bill now our president says that it's new Jim Crow, he means you it. can believe him. Yeah. <laughs> With yeah. that. So it's just, so it's, it's like, not to get like poetic, but like when the time calls for it, I'm- You trying to rebel or? No, no, no. I'm oh. thinking back to when we talked about the mini series, When They See Us. And like, it's just, it's just such a good, like, parallel i think to right now because mm-hmm. that's literally we just talked for an hour and 15 minutes about white people seeing us as people and the realities of our experience so like you know watch the miniseries yes watch the trial but like what we're actually asking you to do is see us like the title of the series yeah like miniseries. i'm trying not to be like so annoying about this <laughs> but like <laughs> That, that like that's it it's like, like it's we want you, you to imagine, when they see us yeah like can you white person can you imagine your black friend's reality can you try can you can you try to put yourself in their shoes particularly when there is something as uh such a good uh characterization of racism happening yeah example with with the trial of derek show literal lynching so it i I, i'm i'm gonna say maybe that's our action item for today Mm -hmm. what i'm asking white people find your center meditate and while you're finding yourself in your space for that 30 minutes if you're a baller or five minutes if you're me try to Try to imagine yourself as a black person. Try to imagine the realities of the black experience in America. And then go watch the Derek Chauvin trial. This episode of Black Ann was produced by us, April and Jonathan Perkins. It was edited by me, and our music is by Fifth Child. You can find more of his work at fifthchildmusic.com. That's number five fifthchildmusic.com. You can find Black Ann wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like what you heard today, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Also, be sure to tell your friends. And until next time, be mindful, be vigilant, and and keep keep asking asking questions. questions.